Rose Bowl reaction, end of the season wrap up, and Ryan Day cleans more house than a maid service. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 41, and it is good to be back. We're here to talk a little Rose Bowl, and my God, all the coaching changes going on. We got a ton to go over, a ton to talk about, and I'm excited to be back on. What say you, Mr. Davis? Yeah, uh, appreciate to be back on. We apologize to all of our listeners. We've taken a little hiatus. Normally, we're a lot quicker on our you know, game recaps, but dude, you know, I had co- COVID again. I know COVID's hit again. Twice. Some of us, you know, are still dealing with a baby infant at home. Uh, you know, we just we've had a lot going on, and it's not ideal timing. But you know, I I know a lot of people are not as interested in the wrap up because I'm sure they've heard a million things. But we'll try to give our spin on it. But really, you know, it's kind of maybe been a benefit because we've seen a lot of changes in the last couple weeks, especially the last couple days. Uh, when you mentioned something about the coaching changes. So we're going to address all this stuff in here and hopefully not try to, you know, drag this on too long, but there's a lot of important things we need to cover. Yeah. So let's kick it off, dude, with a real quick recap. Let's talk about the Rose bowl, man. Um, you know, 48, 45 victory for the Buckeyes and dude, tell me about the game. Tell me how you felt. What was your general synopsis? So, you know, this was a game that was a kind of a roller coaster of emotions, and I at least had a little bit of hype going into it. I mean, I'm a little bit different than you in regards to I'm always more positive than you are. I mean, that's a everybody that listens to us knows that. That's not true. And I've had COVID twice. I've been way more positive than you. That's that's a fair comment. That's a fair comment. So it was a roller coaster of emotions. We start out and it's not looking good. And it's everything everyone anticipated that, you know, Utah's got the home field advantage. They're bringing all these fans that are motivated. They have no one sitting out from the game. It's a bad matchup because they can run the ball. They can exploit our problems. And we were getting hammered early on, right? We're down two scores before we even know it. 14 nothing. You know, CJ Stroud's doing his thing. Gets it to Jackson Smith and Jigba for the first touchdown, right? So we get it within 14. Uh, they score again. I mean, I think on that, what kickoff, that's the first kick that, that's the first special team score we've given up all year between kickoff or punt. And it's the um, first one for Utah ever in a bowl game. Well, maybe in a bowl game, but apparently that guy was their kickoff specialist. But anywho, um, we're, we're, you're starting to see an emergence of some of the youth talent, uh, especially a wide receiver in this game. But you know, my general synopsis, and I know we're going to go in more detail, not spend too much time on it because everyone's heard a million things about it, but it was a roller coaster of emotions and it was a tale of two halves. You know, the first half, the defense couldn't do anything right. In the second half, defense only gave up 10 points. The offense took a couple drives to kind of really get going, but then after that, offense couldn't be stopped. And that's really the overall synopsis of the game is that we just, you know, Utah ran out of time. If I really have to look at the game, I think it was everything I really thought it was going to be. Now, it ended up being a lot more exciting, and there ended up being a lot of 
you know, uh, good things that happened, especially like you said, with Stroud and Jigba and getting to see like uh, Martin, Marvin Harrison Jr. catch three touchdowns. Going to be a stud next year. I'm telling you. Yeah. Going to be a stud. So a lot of that, a lot of that was positive things. Um, to me, I did like the uh, adjustments that we made on defense in the second half, but I had this lingering thing in the back of my head. I feel like if uh, Cameron Rising doesn't go down in the second half, you know, it, it may have been a different outcome. It could have been a different outcome. I don't know. Because he was killing us, dude. He was running all over the place. And, you know, that that really concerned me going into the second half. And I think that that at least attributed to what happened in the end. But, dude, there's one thing that that is that I don't think anybody can argue with, and that is this offense is something else, dude. And next year, I don't see it. You know, I, I said before, like, I thought maybe we would see a little bit of downturn and stuff like that. I really don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, dude, has just emerged as a superstar. And I think he's only going to continue to get better. And I think the guys coming up behind him are, are going to be able to pick up the weight because of him being such a standout. And I think, dude, this offense is going to be something to deal with. Man, I, I, I agree with you. And if you remember, I think it was before that Michigan State game when game day was there. And they interviewed the three wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they're, you know, they're having a conversation and everything in the practice dome. And, you know, they're they're literally said, you know, I think um, Kirk Herbstreit came straight out and said, Who, who's the best wide receiver here? And without hesitation, Olave and Wilson both pointed to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Jackson Smith and Jigba just kind of like sat there like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like they identified that he is by far the best receiver of all three of them. And I think he went so far under the radar just because of their names. But if you look at the stats, he led in receptions and yards the entire season. And he broke several records, not just at the Rose Bowl, but for the season in regards to receptions and receiving yards, I'm pretty sure, uh, of the history of Ohio State. And it went almost completely unnoticed by national, you know, national standards. Like we understood what we saw with him. You know, and you take that all the way back. If you can even recall last year, you remember in that Nebraska game when he caught that ball in the back of the end zone and got one foot down, they called it incomplete, and all of a sudden he went back and looked at it, and he caught that ball like three feet out of bounds of the back of the end zone and got his right foot down. It was actually a top-ten play. And you know something and, else nobody's talking about? Stroud uh, threw for 573 yards, which is only three yards short of the history of yards in a bowl game. I mean, he's three yards short of setting a record, dude. What a performance, dude. I mean, six touchdowns and 573 yards. Holy cow. Oh, I know. And, you know, Stroud, Stroud is, you know, I don't think he's gotten the credit he deserved. I think he had a slow start to the season, which always dampered him. And obviously the result with the, uh, the Michigan game kind of completely ruined his chances at the Heisman, which we had talked about. And we figured, hey, if he, you know, if he can't win that game, that's going to ruin his chance. Because unfortunately, the the Heisman Award has become who's the best player on the best team. It's not who's the best overall player in college football. I'll be perfectly honest, and I'm not being biased. I'm really not because I've watched a lot of Bryce Young this year. If I had the choice between the two of them, I think C.J. Stroud is much better quarterback. Now, I think Bryce Young offers more of the scramble ability and the ability to not be sacked. But and I, I'm not saying Bryce Young's not a good quality player. He is. C.J. Stroud, you know, especially over the second half of the season, has been unreal with how he's putting the ball in the right spot. 
with how he's getting it to his playmakers and letting the playmakers do the work. And you're even seeing in the last few games, especially in the Rose Bowl a couple of times, where he's now starting to add a little bit of a scramble, which is keeping the defense a little bit more honest. And I think that's something he's going to start implementing a little bit more next year just to keep the defense honest, which is ultimately going to help the running game. So I agree with you that Stroud had an outstanding game. I mean, I know he had that one pick. He was, you know, kind of maybe hoping more for Julian Fleming to, you know, try to be a little more 50-50 on that ball. And Julian Fleming, you know, kind of got caught out of position and didn't even play defense on that one. I don't blame him completely for that. He took a shot. You know, that's going to happen. But six touchdowns, 570-plus yards, that's unbelievable. And obviously those are Rose Bowl records and ones that, I'll be honest, I don't see anyone touching anytime soon. No, I don't either. Um, and, and especially because, uh, dude, you just, man, you just don't see that anymore, especially in what I felt was a fairly evenly matched game. I didn't see, you know, I think it ended up pretty much like we kind of talked about where we really didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but a, a close game, maybe a one or two score kind of affair. And, you know, on top of that, Utah did what Utah does, man. And they stayed balanced. They were pretty balanced. They had 450 yards of total offense, but it was pretty much split right down the middle between receiving and running, which is pretty much, you know, I kind of thought they'd run the ball a little bit more, but I think that they knew that and came out and stayed balanced. And that's what you have to do. If you look at their formula, staying balanced, you know, and 450 yards of total offense, most of the time, that's that's a uh, recipe for a win. Most right. of the time. Right. So, no, yeah. You know, I, I think it was a pretty evenly matched, but for him to come out and exploit Utah that way through the air all day long, they had just no answer for Jackson Smith. That says something to me, man. That says something because Utah's not a bad team. They're a good team. And, and I can see, I'm telling you, man, next year, I just, my, my hopes are really, really high for this offense. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get a second year with CJ Stroud. You're going to get Jackson Smith and Jigma, who's been in the system for three years now. Uh, you're going to get Marvin Harrison Jr., who's had a taste of success, who is a stud at wide receiver. You're going to get Emeka Abuka, who made an unreal catch on the sideline, who is very capable. And Julian Fleming, who's been in, in you know, I see Julian Fleming being kind of like a, um, an, a Mac. I can't remember his first name, Mac number 11 that played for us about three years ago where he's kind of reliable. He's not always the number one, but kind of when you need him in spots and someone else, a double team, you can rely upon him. I still think Julian Fleming is one that could still emerge as the number three. I mean, I think it's probably a given next year. We're seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba as number one, um, Marvin Harrison, number two, and kind of a mix between a Mecca Buka and, and Julian Fleming for the number three. Um, I think Emeka Buka will initially come out with it, but Julian Fleming is still going to be a player, you know, and you're, you're going to get Trayvon Henderson another year in the program, another year to continue to physically develop under coach Mick in the weight room and another year to learn the system. I mean, you got to think with the year and Trayvon Henderson had go a ahead. new offensive line scheme, you know what I mean? Which we'll get exactly. to later on why. Yeah, but. yeah. But you know yeah, what I mean? Like, well, our running game's been a problem this year, but I'm only saying it's been a problem because I don't think they were running the right running plays in the right sets. And the fact that he constantly would weigh more heavily favorite on the passing game than the running game. Now, of course, you know, Ryan Day, if he sees he can, he can exploit the passing game, he's going to go to it every time. And I don't have a problem with that. 
you know, so when I've constantly said all season long, we need to be balanced. I agree that you still need to keep the defense honest. You need to keep around the ball. But if you can clearly get what you need through the air, like they saw in the Rose Bowl, you keep doing that. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why CJ Stroud had 507 yards of passing, you know, and it's crazy. I mean, we still had what, 680 yards of offense in that game. That's unreal, man. That's unreal. So you're right. Next year, offense is going to be great. Now, defense, that's a big question mark moving forward. And I know there's a lot that we can elaborate based upon some recent changes that we've seen in in that in regards to the defense. But in regards to the Rose Bowl defense, it was really a tale of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, that first half was pitiful. I mean, my sister could have played better defense. I mean, we couldn't tackle. We couldn't wrap up. We had linebackers that didn't know where they should be. I mean, we couldn't do anything to stop them. Well, you know, one thing that's been mentioned in the media, even though, you know, I'd love to be a fly on that wall in that locker room during halftime. But apparently, um, what's his face? You know, the six-year senior, uh, Demario, Demario McCall. Thank yeah, you. McCall. Yeah. Yeah. Steps up during halftime and gives this big, passionate speech like, hey, we're the Buckeyes, boys. Like, let's have some pride. This may not be where we want to end up, but this is where we're at. And we're getting our butts kicked. Like, let's stand up. Let's show the world what Ohio State football is about. And let's be somebody and get out there and take this game under control. And he hyped the team up, and that defense only gave up 10 points the entire second half. And that includes that touchdown with, what, two minutes to go? True. I said I think it was a perfect combination of us, like you said. I I put a lot of emphasis over the years, dude, on – just being being a motivated football team, being a team that wants to be there, a team that's hyped up, I think that's half the battle, man. You can play out of your mind if you're in the right mind space when you do it. That mixed with in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments like we talked about, and with their quarterback going down, all those things combined called for a switch in momentum, which we got, and, and I'm glad that it ended that way. It's good to end on a positive note. It's good to see positive changes. Um, and, you know, and, and it's good for those guys like like McCall and all them that are seniors and people that are leaving, um, yeah, you know, to, on to get note, one on the man. way out. Good for those guys. Seriously, good for those guys. Like, you know, me and you, we get to sit here and enjoy it and talk about it. Those boys have to get up at 6, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. almost every single day. They got to go through workouts, through all these, you know, film sessions, through practices, take classes like people. You know, people really don't understand what all these kids actually have to go through at a young, immature age where I know me and you were probably getting hammered out of our minds at those age, you know, at those ages and, you know, wasn't even really thinking about responsibility. What What's all on their shoulders, you know, so for them to come out and start the way they did and then turn that thing around the second half, like I think that said so much about the program more than any game this season. It really did. And I know that you still struggle with what you feel like was an effort issue at Michigan, right? And especially in the first half of the Utah game. But I think you finally saw a little bit of the changing of the guard and the fact of a realization that, hey, this is the Ohio State University. And we saw this in the second half, what this team can be capable of moving forward with this youthful team. I'm not going to lie to you, though. It does because you could clearly see the change. You could see the change. I always can see it. 
I can right. always feel when we're not playing inspired and stuff like that. But that the second half of the Utah game kind of pisses me off even more about the Michigan because game. Because it was because now because I know it, it the potential was there. Right. Yeah. Well, like, I, you know, and I, th- I don't think you're wrong. I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't think you're wrong. But I think there's a fine line between aggressive and assertive. Okay. When I think aggressive, obviously anyone can scrounge up some aggressiveness, right? But assertive is an aggressiveness with intelligence. Would you not agree to that? Dude, what is this? The freaking Webster's Dictionary? Listen, like there's okay. a fine line between two cheeks and it's called a crack. That That's <laughs> true too, but you're not going to find that in Webster's either. The whole point I'm trying to make, and I appreciate your innuendo there. That was duly noted. Okay, I'm going to check yeah. that one off. I got it. Duly noted. <laughs> We're going to remember that one. But the entire year when we struggled, the defense tried to play aggressive, but the problem is they weren't being assertive, which means you could be aggressive once a play has happened, but to be assertive is to be ahead of the play, to be, to know where you're going. I mean, I don't know about you and I know there's probably a lot of other people out there. They really didn't watch a lot of the playoffs. Okay. Because we didn't have, you know, an invested interest in the playoffs. Me, I still enjoy watching it because I enjoy watching good football. And I took a lot of opportunities to watch the um, television versions that gave us the the cam that was, you know, not your traditional look. It's the one that's over the quarterback, whatever they call the get. I don't know what they call that. And I'm sitting here watching Alabama and Georgia's defensive line. OK, and watching at the speed that they move, not just the defensive line, but even the linebackers and the speed that they move at compared to what. Ohio State's moving at is not even close. It's and that has nothing to do with being aggressive. That has to do with being assertive to knowing what your assignments are and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. I fully believe that a lot of our issues this entire year is that we've just had players that are not 100% confident what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be going. And I'm not hanging as much on their athletic deficiencies as much as it is probably a coaching deficiency or, uh, you know, the scheme deficiency that they were unsure of what their roles were. And that was clear, though. That was clear the whole year. If I was a coach, I would be telling my players right off the bat, hey, man, even if you're wrong, whatever decision you make, you make it with all your heart. If you decide that this is the way you need to go, this is the guy you need to pick up, then you demolish his ass. That's what I'm saying. Destroy him. I don't care if you're wrong. Do it all the way. Don't second question yourself. And that's what I felt like. Like, I felt like the effort was not fully there. Because if I'm pumped up in the locker room, if McCall gives me that speech and I'm coming out and I'm just ready to tear somebody's head off, I may be wrong. I may choose the entire wrong thing. But that guy's probably going to be in the tent after the next play. Like, because I'm going to make that call. And that's kind of what I just, I want to see that, man. I want to see the passion. I just didn't I didn't feel that way in the Michigan game or the first half of the Utah game. And I felt that more in the second half. Just the passion of being in the moment. Even even if you don't know hundred percent, like you're second guessing or you're young and you're still learning. I get that, man. But buy all the way in, dude. Buy all the way in and and make mistakes fully. That's the way I feel about it. You you really bring up a good point. And you know, I know you don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter with our fan with our fan account. And, you know, I follow a lot of the um, players that have already left the program, you know, uh, Tyvis Powell and Darren Lee and uh, Bobby Carpenter and a handful of defensive players. Right. 
And all of them are sitting there talking about how, hey, we're going to have a a talk with Coach today about this defense next year. Like, this is not fine. Like, none of the alumni are happy with what they saw on the field this year. Because, to be perfectly honest, if we had even a semi-capable defense this year, we're a playoff team. And I'll be perfectly honest, with the offense that we have, with a semi-capable defense, I still think we could beat an Alabama or a Georgia. I know – I'm not being a homer bias here. I'm being honest. Like, we had the best offense in the country. You know, there were only a handful of teams that could keep us below 30, and that's when we were kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with penalties and stupid crap. If we played a clean game offensively, there's not a team in the country can keep us under 30. Exactly. And in the playoffs, and in the playoffs, if we can score over 30 and have a semi-capable defense, we can compete with any of those teams that were in the playoffs. By exactly, far. but as, as you and I know – as we can attribute to Oklahoma and all the other teams that have tried to do it, you can't win the Natty without a defense, period. That's true, you, and you're absolutely right. And that was our biggest uh, weakness, and, I mean, maybe for better or for worse, it got exposed against Michigan. I'd rather just beaten Michigan, won the Big Ten, and lost in the playoffs again. I mean, I would have rather taken that just because I hate losing to Michigan. But, you know what, I think losing to Michigan is going to be, in hindsight, one of the best things that happened to this program because I think there's going to be so much focus on this defense moving forward that we're going to end up talking about here in a little bit that is going to set up success for this defense for multiple years moving forward. And if you continue to have Ryan Day at the helm and with Brian Hartline with his, you know, um, his advancement with his role in the program, I don't see this team slacking behind at all. I don't see this team not making the playoffs year in and year out anymore. I don't. I mean, we'll see. Like, like we're getting ready to get into, but there's, you know, all the changes that are being made, you know, for right now, for everybody, they're just changes. We don't know if they're the right changes. Don't know. We can speculate, We, but we don't know. Right, you but know, at least we're seeing changes and not con- continuing down the same path that we're doing. Well, I'm going to give Ryan proactive Day, results. I'm going to give Ryan Day his props because Ryan Day saw that there's a problem and he is taking every step possible in order to rectify that. So I nobody can say that the effort's not there because it 100% is there. Right. I know we could move smoothly into the coaching changes, but before we get to that, we really need to kind of wrap this season up, you know, kind of put a bow on it, you know, kind of get ourselves kind of into this off season kind of vibe because that's where we're at now. So I'm going to ask you first, you know, I want to get an overview of the season. You can take this however you want to and then add a grade to it, but I want to divide this up and I'm going to do three ways. I know we only talked about two, but I want you to give me your offensive grade for the season, your defensive grade for the season. And I want to give you, I want you to give me your special teams grade for the season, because I think that's a part of the game that, you know, especially in these, some of these close games, it gets overlooked. And there's a few things that I'd like to mention about the special teams as well. So once you start off with, uh, obviously, the offense, give me your offensive grade for the whole season. I'm going to give the offensive grade for the whole season. I'm going to give them a solid A. And the only reason I don't give them an A+, plus, and this would, pr- I mean, I guess this could fall on the coaching more than it could the offense itself. Um, as far as that goes, but I would say, you know, the red zone execution and red zone play calling issues are what prevents me from giving it an A plus. And that's really all. I mean, I think this offense is prolific and it may be one of the best offense that we've ever seen at Ohio State. 
And it I was. Next year, Statistically, it was. Yeah, and like we're going to – and I think we're going to continue to see that. The only reason I didn't give it an A-plus is because we can't couldn't figure out the red zone for half the year. So that's that. Defense, oh, God. I'm going to give it a D. Um, I, I Now, hold on. Yeah. Is that a hard D or kind of a soft <laughs> D? <laughs> well – I'm 38. Really doesn't get real. I mean, it's kind of soft. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I mean, yeah. you gave me an opening. I had to take it. Uh, that's what she said. But yeah. so I would give it a, probably a solid D um, because, dude, just all the problems all year. I don't think I even need to go into this for everybody. They've heard us complain all season long. They've heard us discuss it and beat and beat a dead horse all season long. We have problems. There's steps being taken to try to remedy these problems, but but the fact of the matter is, all year long they were there, they were there constantly, week in and week out, and I mean it it, it could have been worse, but not a whole lot. So I'm going with solid D. Uh, special teams, dude. Honestly, other than what we gave up in in the Utah game, which I think was kind of like a fluke play, I dude, I I think we did great on special teams. I'm gonna give that a B plus for the year. Um, and I probably would lean a little bit more towards an A um, if it wasn't for the run back and the fact that – I mean, dude, I mean, we did have one of the best uh, kickers in the country this year. Um, he was pretty much Mr. Automatic um, other than – what, he missed one field goal all yep. year? Yep. Yeah. One field goal all year long. So, I mean, you, you got to – and the thing is, dude, I think that I'm spoiled mentally because – all those years we lived with Jim Trestle, special teams, and you just we'll keep those thinking so Ted follow. Nugent. Ted Nugent was the man, right? Oh, yeah. That's kind of been the man. But I'll tell you what, Nathan Ruggles, is kind of the man. Yeah, he's, 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 he's been he's been he's been Mister Reliant all year, and it's been and by a the way long that was time. Mike Nugent. Ted Nugent was a rock star. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm telling you. Ted Nugent was the man. Now Mike Nugent was a great kicker for Ohio State. But Ted Nugent, dude, was the man. Dude, it took you didn't like let me finish seconds. my sentence. It took you 30 me... seconds to register that. I was like, as I was talking, like my brain was still where I go, who the I hell? I assume you understood Nugent? what I meant. Dude, everyone appreciates <laughs> Ted Nugent. This is, uh, this is a podcast for anyone who wants to listen. It could be about music. Listen, you don't know what we're going to talk about. That's true. So, okay, so I'd say I'll wrap it up with that. Um, So let's hear yours, man. Give them to me. All right. So offense, I'm giving an A minus and it's a little bit more harsh than yours, but it's still very solid. Now I understand we led the country in yards per game, points per game. Uh, I'm going to mimic what you said in the fact that we had red zone issues in tight games. And now that's partially because of the other issue I'm going to talk about. And the fact that the running game was not up to par with what I would expect. Um, I understand that we try to utilize where we saw our advantage in the passing game a lot this year, but you know, one, no matter how good your passing game is, when you get in the red zone, one of the ingredients for success when you're in the red zone is you've got to be able to run the ball because of tight quarters. Right. And I just think we didn't have either the right setup. I don't think it was the personnel issue. I think it was a coaching issue personally um, where, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Trayvon Henderson was being hit in the back two, three yards in the backfield. And yeah. if you have a quality offensive line, uh, you know, in some sort of semblance of a run game, that shouldn't be happening. 
It really shouldn't. And I don't care how good of a running back you are. If you're constantly getting hit two, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, unless you're an outstanding running back and getting out of these tackles and still finding a way to push forward, it's going to be tough sledding. So my A- minus comes with the fact that the running game struggled in a handful of games this year and the fact that we struggled in the red zone. But our yards per game, I give almost an A+, plus because between the 20s, we can move, we could do whatever we wanted in any game. If you go back and look, between the 20s, we did whatever we wanted. Um, once we got inside that red zone with a handful of teams, we struggled. So A- minus on the offense, but you know that's being super critical. I mean, I understand it was the best offense in the country and statistically the best offense Ohio State's ever had. But you could see there was room for improvement there. You still could see that. So that's kind of where I lie with the offense. The defense, uh, I'm going to be a little more generous, give it a D plus, just because there was still a handful of games that the defense did come up to play. The fact that we had several defensive scores this year, I think we did, uh, had a defensive score in, what, five or six different games. Um, we, we were able to get to the quarterback a little more often than we did last year. Uh, it was kind of more sacked by committee. It wasn't just strictly the defensive ends, you know, you know, being able to overpower um, the the edge of the offensive line. Uh, you know, sometimes we had to get that, you know, more by committee. Uh, and the crazy thing is, if you ask me who was the sack leader, I couldn't even tell you. It ended up being Haskell Garrett, I'm pretty sure. And that kind of went even, you know, kind of under the radar. So, you know, we got a little more pressure, but we still struggle with that. But there's no lying that the linebackers were just lost all year. They were just absolutely lost. And I've told you, and we've had conversations about this, where I think the linebacking crew is probably one of the more important parts of the entire defense. I understand your quarterbacks, your cornerbacks and your safeties uh, are important value to the team. Obviously, the defensive line, you know, holding the line of scrimmage, your defensive ends, getting pressure on the quarterbacks, all important. I get that. Those are all very important facets of the defense. But the linebacking crew is has all three of those roles. They have the role of putting pressure on the quarterback. They have the role of stopping the run and they have the role of pass defense. And if you put linebackers out there that don't fully understand their role and they're not in the right positions, any of three of those things, not getting pressure on the quarterback and giving up bigger runs and not making, you know, defensive pass plays are all going to be factors. And the, the linebackers had problems the entire year. I mean, you know what's it, funny, man? The the one thing that you can look at and it tells you the entire tale without even having to look into it is that Ronnie Hickman was our leading tackler for the year. That's all you have to say. That should right. not happen. And what position is he? I mean, I know he's called the silver bullet, so he's kind of like a linebacker slash cornerback slash safety slash, you know, kind of floating in and out and everything. But you rarely see Ronnie Hickman getting up and run defense. Okay. With with the exception of a handful of plays, he's more in the past defense than anything. He am just not, am he I should be your leading that? tackler. You should have. Uh, my point is, uh, your linebacker are getting should be to leading him. tacklers. Am I not yes. wrong in that? Yes, yes, exactly. He's not a linebacker. He plays linebacking role in a, in a handful of plays each game, but he's not a linebacker. He's a silver bullet. You know that that's that's a role where you have someone that's a bigger build that's not a complete cornerback or safety. They can kind of do everything. He can get out and pass coverage. He can get up and run defense. Um, he's occasionally will try to pressure the quarterback in some blitzes. But yeah, I mean, having him as the leading tackler, you're right. It's not a good thing. You know, we should have, be having a definitive linebacker being 
you're, you're tackling leader. And the other thing, too, is we didn't have a lot of tackle for losses this year. I understand we had a, hand, a little bit more sacks than we did the previous year, but that was the COVID year. You can almost kind of scratch that year because it's hard to really base what was what should have been, you know, full potential that year. But, you know, I, I agree that Ronnie Hickman being the leading tackler was not a good thing. So that's why I gave it a D plus in the fact that at least we did show up in a handful of games. You know, the Michigan State game, I've got to give him props for stepping up in that game. You know, that was the one that really put us firmly on the map because that that had us. I think that's the first time ever that Alabama's won a game and got jumped by a team. That's the first time ever in the college football playoff system that that's happened. So we made a statement defensively in that Michigan State team. And I know that's the one that had you confident going into the Michigan game, but I just had my weary doubts about it. So I know the potential was there, and that's what gives me confidence moving forward for next season is that I still feel like there's there's pieces in place here that if they're given the right position, they understand the right concept, that we can manage you know, a, a defense that is going to be a lot more capable than what we did. So if you even want to think back to the 2018 year, right, when we struggled a lot defensively with Dwayne Haskins, and we end up going to the Rose Bowl that year, beat Washington. But, you know, we give up tons of rushing yards to Maryland, one in like what, double overtime or single overtime, but struggled defensively the majority of the year, right? Those same players came back. We had no new players that were starting for the most part in 2019. And 2019 comes around, we're a top five defense in the country. So the players are there. They finally got a system that worked, got players that were confident. And we've we've had a lot of youth on this team, if you can remember, JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer and Tyleek Will uh, Will uh, Williams, and a handful of other players that uh, I really honestly believe, you know, getting this year under their belt, they're going to come in with confidence, understanding hopefully this more aggressive new system with Jim Knowles that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I feel real confident moving forward. So. Kind of giving all that into the mix, D plus with that. And ultimately, um, for the uh, special teams, I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, I'm kind of on the same boat with you there. My biggest bugaboo with the um, special teams has been that why can we not kick a ball off to the end zone? Um, there's only been a handful of times I can remember all season that our kickoff guy, and I assume is it Ruggles that's kicking off? I, I To be honest, I haven't even been paying attention. Yeah, all I know is that when we're kicking it off, we can't get the ball to the end zone. Why can't we kick it out? Like, I mean, the the best defense on special teams on a kickoff is kick it out of the back of the end zone. Like, yeah. I understand if you want to be super aggressive, you might be able to stop them before the 25. But statistically, kick it out of the back of the end zone every time. Every single right. time. Because then you're just going to start at the 25 every single time. You don't have to worry about nothing. Like, literally, when we got to that Rose Bowl game, uh, and I could saw I, I saw, you know, I mean, that that's the first game and I can remember it a long time. No one took a fair catch. No one knelt the ball in the end zone or nothing like everyone returned every single kick. It almost felt like an old school game, didn't it? Yeah. In regards to special good. teams. Yeah. But it was the thing I'm sitting here watching. And after, you know, uh, what's his name? Covey for Utah ran that one back for the rest of the game. I'm like, I'm sitting there saying, hell, at this point, just kick the damn ball out of bounds. They'll get it to 35, but they can't run it back. Like, that that's a bad feeling to have. You know what I mean? Like, why can't we just get that ball to the end zone? Because if we can kick it back to the back of the end zone, 
no one's returning the ball out of the end zone anymore. Sounds to me like we need to take a take a trip over to where they put the shrimp on the old Barbie and see if we can find us another kicker. <laughs> We've had pretty good with the find us some forty year old guy rugby style kicker who's smoking cigarettes out of like you know the replacements. We'll put it out, brother, and let's see you kick this thing. <laughs> So yeah, we're 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 very similar on our year-end grades. So I'm gonna give you an overall grade for the season. And the overall grade is a B minus. And it's a B minus because obviously we did not make the playoffs, we did not win the Big Ten. Um, but you know, I understand those are year-end goals, and that's ultimately our goal. But I can't sit here and bash on the fact that we had a stellar offense. We had a Heisman candidate that went to New York. We had a lot of true freshmen playing. Uh, we won some big games in there, and we still end up winning the Rose Bowl. You know, I mean, it's not a failure. I understand some people view it as a failure because we didn't get to where we've been the last handful of years, but it wasn't a complete failure. You know, well, we still had a lot a of positive things in this year. I know you do, but it has nothing to do with the playoffs. Well, I'm at a B minus as an overall grade. What's your overall grade? I'm close to you. I gave it a C plus because I refuse to give something above average on a year when we didn't beat Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I can't I disagree. I can't disagree with you. If we'd have lost, if we'd have won 75 to nothing in every single game, but lost that Michigan game that way, I still would have gave it a C plus. I still would. not You're a liar. No, you wouldn't have. I don't know what I would have done, but I'm just yeah. talking. Now. <laughs> I know you are, <laughs> <laughs> but I give it a C plus because dude, and we've, dude, we've talked so many times, dude, about games like Clemson, about games like Alabama, where we get beat, or even sometimes we've been embarrassed, you know, in, in games. And they hurt. They do hurt. But I forgot how bad it hurts to lose to Michigan. And it hurts. And you know damn well I've been down in the dumps for a, a month, two months. Yeah. You know what I mean? After that game. Yeah. And it just, it, it hits differently now. Well, listen, that game, that game still hurts. That game's always going to hurt. And that game's going to hurt because it kept us out of the playoffs. Now, knowing what I know now, I think because our defense was such a liability, I think we probably would have gotten beaten somewhere along the lines in the playoff. You know, I, as good as our offense was, we just, oh, did not, yeah. we, we just did not have a capable enough defense to handle anyone. Um, not that we were facing prolific offenses by any of those teams, but, you know, I just, I, I feel like, you know, it, I'm not saying we couldn't have won. There's a chance, but that defense was a liability. So, you know, I completely agree with you in the fact that this defense was ultimately, you know, the bugaboo for the season. And that Michigan game is going to be so That's hard. That's the to fourth time you've said bugaboo on this podcast since its inception. And I want an answer. I don't How know many why. more times are you going to say it? I heard We've it had this conversation when I was a kid. I don't know. I heard it when I was a kid. <laughs> it's what do you want me, me to tell you? Count it. I'm, I'm over here with fingers. I got two fingers out. I'm like, that's twice. But all, all right, right. Well, let's let's move to this then real quick. Since we gave all these other grades, let's talk about uh, senior Ryan Day. Day. Yep, Ryan Day. What grade do you give him? Not just for this year, but for his tenure at Ohio State as the head coach. So the last three years, what is his overall grade? I'm going to try not to spend a lot of time on this because I know I'm a talker. I know I am. And I, I can I can implement this a lot of ways. So I would try to be very quick to this. 
But I know typically year three is where we try to give a legitimate grade for a coach, right? You give them the opportunity to take old recruits, and then you give them that second season. By that third season, it should all be implemented, right? And you're starting right. to get their recruits. I've told you on the phone this, and you've partially agreed with me in the fact that I don't think you can really count this as Ryan Day's third year. And I say that because last year was his second year, but that was the COVID year. He didn't get a spring game. He didn't get fall practice. We didn't even think we were going to have a season. Threw it together last minute. We had six, what, regular season games and went to the playoffs. So I am not, even though we got to the national title game in his second year, and even though we still had a struggle in defense in 2020, I'm almost going to count 2020 as a wash in the fact that I'm not counting that against him or for him in that matter. I will tell you this, you know, he lost Chase Young after 2019. He lost Jeffrey Okuda. He lost Jordan Fuller on defense. But we replaced a lot on defense, which is understandable why we might struggle a little bit more on defense. Um, it is Justin Fields' second year, and we're having Chris Olave back, Garrett Wilson back. You know, that second year um, offensively should have been a little bit better than what it was. Because I think, you know, that first year with Ryan Day, with everyone there, was our best opportunity to win the national title. And I feel like I still feel like it kind of got stolen from us against Clemson. But even if I have to try to give him a grade right now, my grade for Ryan Day is probably probably a B minus. And I know that's harsh, but that's kind of where we're at right now with Ohio State. I think it's reasonable to expect that what this program has morphed into since the college football playoff is that our expectation every year is to get to the playoff. And he's made it two out of three years. And the one year that he did make it that we probably should have won it, we didn't win it or didn't even get to the national title game. The one year that we probably was, you know, skeptical because of the schedule we got in it, we got blown out in the title game by, you know, even though I know we were shorthanded, probably by a more superior team. This year, you know, I think he's finally had his hardest coaching gig. And his first real true test as a head coach. And you're seeing now some of the moves that are happening. Um, I don't know really any other way to put it other than the fact that I think that, you know, we've had talks that is Ryan Day kind of on the hot seat a little bit at this point. And again, I understand these are harsh comments, okay? And I understand that it may not be fair. But you have to understand where Ohio State is at this point, okay? We've, we, we've probably claimed being the, the third best team in the country consistently every single year. Behind Alabama and behind a rotational between Clemson and Georgia, right? Yeah. So where are we at to get better at this point? Because let's look, you know, he has an undefeated season and loses a close game to Clemson. Then he has an undefeated season, the shortened season, but gets blown out by Alabama in the title game. Then he loses his first regular season game. He loses his first Big Ten game. He loses the worst one to Michigan, doesn't win the Big Ten, doesn't win the Big Two championship, doesn't get to playoff. So we're seeing a decline, right? But is it enough years and consistency to see that that is a trend or if that was just a result of the youth on the team, of understanding, hey, these coaches that I brought on are not cutting it. Do I need to go elsewhere? 
So I really think his hot seat year is coming up. I don't think he's on the hot seat now, but I think he's on the radar that, hey, you missed, you messed that game up that we can't mess up every year. And we didn't get to Indianapolis. We didn't get to the college football playoff. That That's it. Next year, the expectations, you better beat Michigan. You better get to Indianapolis. You better get to the playoff or else it is hot seat. So I think in that regards, I'm giving him a B minus. I'm I'm close to you. I'm going to give him a B. I'm actually going to give him a slightly better grade than you did. The only reason I'm doing that is because of similar, uh, you know, I obviously I see things slightly different than you. I always have. That's kind of why we have this podcast. But anyway, kind of the way that that I look at Ryan Day when I look at him is that I feel like he's thrown up the white flag. What I mean by that is, you know, he's been there what, three years, we've had three different defensive coordinators already. So the point is, I feel like he thought in the beginning he could piece it together with his knowledge, okay, and he's getting, you know, he got you know, he got Larry Johnson, and he got, you know, he, he got everybody. He got Kerry Combs, he got Al Washington, he got all these guys, and pieced together what he thought could be successful. I think now, after the third year, he's realized, okay, maybe I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm not successful at putting this together. Let me hire someone and give them the reins to this thing. Let me say, you're the guy, you make the call. Who's coaching this line? Who's coaching these safeties? Who's doing that? Because if you think, I mean, we're not into it yet, but if you think that Jim Knowles isn't behind all these hires that are happening here, you're crazy. Of course he is. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I think he's decided to give the reins up like okay what i did didn't work let me bring in someone and let them do it you know because i mean it's pretty obvious dude he's got the offense down i think ryan day is a young coach i think that's why we've seen some of the things that have happened you know with with red zone play calling with you know just some of the slight offensive things but dude ryan day is an offensive mastermind he is. This offense well, is going to be primarily with pa- pr- primarily with the passing game. He yeah, it's going to be, and, and that's why he's giving it up to someone else for the running game. Exactly. Coming up, that's what I'm saying. He he realizes his deficiencies, and I thought to myself the other day, a, a good point. I thought to myself while I was sitting on the couch, I go, "What's the difference, okay, bet- between him and I don't know Lincoln Riley? What's the difference?" Like, okay, like both good at quarterbacks, both good at offense, like all the stuff like that. I go, no, the difference is that Ryan Day's smart enough to realize where he's deficient and he's letting someone else take the fall. That's a, that's what it is. Lincoln Raleigh's not firing the whole staff over there. He's not saying the defense didn't work this year. I'm firing everybody. I'm bringing in somebody and they can bring in who they want. He's not doing that. He doesn't realize that. And I think that's what makes Ryan Day special. And that's what's going to make or break his career. Now, I agree with you in that I think – if this year goes badly after all the changes that they're that they're making out there, um, you know, I think it's going to look bad on Ryan Day. I, you know, he may be on the hot seat, depending on exactly what happens. But, yeah, he could be. But I definitely think in year two, if this thing isn't turned around after this, he's definitely, definitely on the hot seat. So, you know, I give him a solid B um, just because of, you know, the job that he did with the offense this year was incredible. And... You know, and, and I think he has so much potential. I think he's just a really intelligent guy, and I respect that about him. So I will give him a B for the year. But if he loses to Michigan again, he's dead to me. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong in it. Dude, I, I agree with you. I think one thing that, you know, kind of goes a little bit under the radar, but everyone is 
definitely aware of is that I don't care how good your offense is. You could sit there and have the number one team in the country, which we did in yards per game and points per game, most prolific offense in the country. If you do not have a defense to back that up, it doesn't mean anything. Because at some point, that offense is going to struggle, uh, especially when you play your tougher teams. And even when you're playing the toughest team, you may only score 27, 28 points. But if you have a defense that's giving up 30, then, you know, what's the point? So and that's honestly, isn't that how you felt, though? I mean, we felt that way. We felt that way in the Michigan game some and even in the Utah game some where we you feel the pressure to score every drive. Yeah. And Ohio State's not ever been, or at least as a fan, I don't ever recall having to be a shootout team. Like, if I was an Oklahoma fan, God, it would be annoying as hell thinking, God, if we don't score at least 50 in this game, I don't know if we have a chance to win. Like, I don't want to have to feel that way. You know, I'm still, and I know we're, we always talk about how old school we are, but God, it's not, it doesn't even feel like it was that long ago in 2002 with Jim Trestle where we beat Michigan 14 to nine to make it to the national title game. And that felt like a normal score. 14 Dude, Jim to nine. Trestle get up. Jim Trestle will get up 17-13 and play field position the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, we bitched and complained about it. We did. We did, we, but he but he was good but at it. But you know what? Sure. But you know what? It resulted in wins, and I'll tell you what. That was back in the day when I swear I used to enjoy watching the defense play. It's like, okay, we're kicking off to him. I can't wait to see what the defense mixes up next. I can't wait to see us, you know, hammer the crap out of someone to sack the quarterback, to tackle the guy for loss, to get a pick. Uh, to force a fumble, something. And this entire year, as soon as the offense for the other team got it, I'm sitting here thinking, dear God, please let them, like, I don't know, false start or let them do something stupid. Like, please help us. You know, oh, I just, I hand, knew, I knew, yeah, I knew <laughs> the defense was a liability. And I'm just praying that the offense for the team would help us out somehow. So you're right, man. Like, it's, it's frustrating how bad the defense is. And you know what? I can deal more with a, de- a deficient offense than I can deal with a deficient defense. You know, and I think that's maybe where my where I lie. And I think that's going to constantly always be a problem when you have an offensive head coach. You know, Ryan Day obviously is seeing that. You know, you talk about Lincoln Riley, and you want to talk about the difference between Lincoln Riley. Like, we fired Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley hired Alex Grinch. What does that tell you? <laughs> Obviously, we have, you know, we have bigger priorities for our defense at Ohio State than Oklahoma has. But we've not been a true, really quality defense. I know 2019 was good, but it still kind of feels like it goes back a decade or more, you know, when the last time we legitimately had a defense that we believed in. That was kind of our identity. Our identity is now we're some spread slinging around the yard, score a ton of points team. But yet you can get whatever you want on Ohio State's defense. And I'll tell you what, I feel like that takes your manhood away. And if I'm feeling like that as a fan, how do you think the team feels like that? How do you think an offense feels like that? Thinking they got to go out and score on every damn play. It's not good. It's not good. So I'm hoping that we're getting ready to talk about with these new coaching changes that Ryan Day understands the importance that this defense has got to be fixed, not improved. It's got to be fixed completely. Uh, there's no way we cannot segue right into this now. We've been leading into it the entire episode, really. But, dude, 
have you ever it's hard to even keep track of all the moves that are going on right now every time i turn around and check my phone for something ryan day has fired or hired somebody <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of days has been true. Absolutely. And I'm going, what the hell? What the hell? And then, uh, you know, I'm trying to get on Facebook so I can get the information out there for everybody that's not as psycho about, you know, reading it as we are. Um, but um, let's talk about let, let me ask you this much right now. Has anything he's done surprised you? Surprised me? And, and what do you mean? Has any of the coaching moves that Ryan Day has made surprised you? Um... Only one might be uh, our offensive line coach, uh, Strawada. Um, I, although I had heard that I think he's had some health issues, so I don't know if that was – and they may have just fired him so that we can get some sort of severance or something with this contract instead of him just quitting. Because I feel like our offensive line is still good. I still feel like our offensive line coach has been good. I understand the running game struggled, and that is definitely on the offensive line as well as the running backs coach. Cause I mean, we still have Tony Alford and I trust him immensely with running backs, but I don't care how good a running back you are. If you don't have someone blocking for you, you're, you're not going to be able to do anything. I say if any, if by any of my surprises, it would be that, I mean, I anything on the, anything on the defensive side of the ball though, say la vie, to be honest with you, I didn't see a single thing on the defensive side of the ball that I would have been able to make an argument to keep them. Well, like you know, I besides said, besides the fact that I actually, I think as a person, I like uh, Kerry Combs. I think he's a good motivator. I think he's a good recruiter. Um, I think he's a good person. You know, I feel like he's an Ohio State guy. So I do like Kerry Combs, but the role didn't fit. It didn't work. So to be perfectly honest, the entire defensive side, say la vie. See, I, and, and I went back and forth with it in my head. Well, I guess let's let's say this first. So for everybody that doesn't know or, or, you know, hasn't read it yet, you know, Kerry Combs and Al Washington are both out and they've hired um, Tim uh, Walton from Cincy and uh, Perry Eliano from the Jags, um, both to kind of spearhead the the safeties and cornerbacks coach, which I, I didn't know we were going to go with the dual coaching system for that. I didn't either. But, that was surprising. I'm not actually, apparently, I don't even know if I've even seen that, to be honest with you. Normally it's a DB coach. I don't know if we went corners and safety split. Apparently, he wants to really focus on that defensive backfield, I feel like. And I guess, you know, Jim Knowles is going to take over the linebacker situation, uh, which is probably a good thing, you know. I agree. Um, before all this happened, I was asking myself, before I figured out what's going on, I thought, okay, he's hired a defensive coordinator, but they've been kind of quiet. Like, nobody said. Like, I knew at the time, we had 11 coaches, and you're only allowed to have 10. Uh-huh. So, somebody's got to go. Like at the end of the day. And I thought, of course, logically, it would be Kerry Combs going because they hired Jim Knowles. That's what I thought. But I thought to myself, is Ryan Day going to let Jim Knowles pick his staff? Or is Ryan Day just saying, you know, here's the keys, but you got to work with what we got? And I think that answer has been clearly. I think Jim Knowles picked his staff. I'm pretty sure he did. Because Jim Knowles was the early move. He was moved before the Rose Bowl. Um, he's been super quiet, social media and everything, which I'm, I'm personally, I'll be honest. I think that's a good sign because why get on there and say anything other than get in there, get in with that team, figure out what it is that you need to fix and get the ball rolling. Like there's plenty of time for social media down the road. Like get your ass in there and deal with the players and the coaches and start at the root of the problem and work your way out. Dude, I would have killed to be in that room. Uh, just to hear the conversation and the offer between Jim Knowles and Ryan Day 
Um, you know, I, I would wonder, like, did Jim Knowles just flat out say, I mean, I'll do it, but it's going to be my way. Like, I guarantee. I well, listen, yeah, I guarantee it was either that way or Ryan Day told him, hey, I'm the offensive guru. I've this defense has struggled. I've trusted other people. I'm looking for someone I can trust. Can I trust you? Can you make the right choices? I guarantee Jim Knowles has been given the reins. That's why they made that move so early on, even before the Rose Bowl, before they removed anyone. And then he went right on down the line and looked at what the players were, looked at the coaching, looked at who the coaches were, and said, hey, is there anyone on this staff that you want to continue to work with? Is this going to continue to be a thing? Because, listen, they're paying Jim Knowles a pretty penny. And you know what, though? And this is why I think it's going down this way, too, because Jim Knowles knows this is it, dude. The next step for him after this is head coach. If he comes to Ohio State, dude, and and well, there's not years, a higher position than defensive coordinator at Ohio State, Alabama, or Georgia. Yeah, and he's there's not a bigger position. Somewhere. There's not yeah, a bigger position. That. So, and I think he knows this is his shot, dude, and that's why I think it was going like that. But the main thing that I was thinking was, okay, because I thought for a while there, I thought maybe they will retain Kerry Combs just as a defensive backs coach. You know what I mean? Because he was always good at that. He just he's not a defensive coordinator, but he can still coach defensive backs. Right. So I thought maybe they'll retain him. And you know, I did too. I really honestly thought they would, but maybe to be honest, in talks, it was Kerry Combs saying that I don't want to go back to that role. I had I want a bigger role. And that's why they parted ways. There's a very yeah, good chance that that was the case. I mean, maybe Jim Knowles say, Hey, I'd love to keep you on to do DB. And and Kerry Combs said, Hey, I don't want to do DB. Like, I still feel like I can be a D coordinator somewhere. That could be. That's why I would say I would love to know, just be a fly on the wall and know exactly how it went down. Like, right. was it a personal choice for Kerry or was it a personal choice for Jim Knowles that he's gone? Right. You I mean, know? we'll never we'll never know. And I mean, there's no, so many but Al Washington needed fired. Yeah, for I mean, sure. A lot, he, yeah, I feel bad because I had confidence in him. And there's a lot of people that wanted him to come back. I mean, there was talks, if you remember last year, about him possibly going to Tennessee to be the defensive coordinator. And he turned it down to stay linebacker coach at Ohio State, which seems like a big deal. I mean, that's, you know, you're you're t- possibly taking a promotion at, you know, a big-time school, and you don't take it. So we figure we have a good guy in that role. But really, man, those linebackers over the last handful of years has just not been good. It's not it's been terrible. And another thing, too, is the recruits we're getting in. Like, I don't know who's recruiting linebackers, but the recruits have just not been there. Like, no. if you're having to fill that role with tough Borland and you're having to take, you know, Steel Chambers and convert him from a running back to a linebacker just to fill spots, like, I understand we are weak, but, you know, a lot of our transfers were, were from linebacker as well. Like, there was a linebacker issue on this team the entire year, whether it was depth, whether it was not understanding uh, the system, whether it was not playing aggressive, whether it was not being motivated, whether it was just not being skillful. Like, linebacking was our Achilles heel the entire year. Dude, it's been our Achilles heel for for years. Yeah. It started to taper off. You know what happened, dude, to me? I feel like with every coaching change, there is some layover, like we talk about, right? Ryan Day takes over for Urban Meyer. You know, some of his stuff trickles into Ryan Day for the first couple of years, and then it filters out and you get all your Ryan Day. And I feel like the same thing happened with Urban Meyer, but I feel like we haven't had really, really solid linebacker play since Jim Trestle. Now, it filtered into Urban Meyer in his first couple of years because he had Jim Trestle's guys. I solely feel that way. But towards the end, when it was all Urban Meyer, 
we didn't have good linebackers. Nope. And I feel like we're there again. We're, we're, yeah, we've been I've there had, since You're then. right. You're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Now, we've had some quality ones in there uh, at linebacker. But, I mean, they've not been standout linebackers. Yeah, they've, they've not, not been, been your Lauren Ides, your A.J. Hawk, your Bobby Carpenter guys. They're, you know. They're, but that's that's almost a generational talent that we're just not seeing anymore. Those players are going to Alabama. Those players are going to Georgia. Um, those players are going to Clemson. Like we're for some reason we're not getting the linebackers. Even when, if you remember Henry Two O Two O, that was a transfer from Tennessee, had a chance to come to us, turn around and flipped and, and transferred to Alabama instead. Yeah. So now we did get a transfer that we initially recruited as a linebacker. He ended up going to Arizona State, I believe. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. But he went to Arizona State and ended up being a running back, but he ended up transferring back to Ohio State, even though he never committed to us initially. But we have him transferring to Ohio State now to actually play the linebacker role. Hmm. And I did not know that. You didn't know that? Okay. So no. I can't. I cannot recall his name off the top of my head, but – he was, he played running back. Now we recruited him as a linebacker. He played running back for Arizona State. He's transferring back to us. Um, we're starting to finally fill a few spots in this transfer portal. I mean, we also have uh, I do know his name, Tanner McAllister, uh, who was a, a DB for Oklahoma State last year, a starter, and he is transferring and expected to be probably a starter in Jim Knowles' defense this year. And now you got to believe if Jim Knowles is letting him come there, he's got to be somebody special. I have to believe that. Absolutely. Well, look at the spot he's going to fill. You know who's whose spot he's going to fill? Oh, I was waiting for you to give me the punchline. No, I'm just asking you who's the spot <laughs> he's going to fill. Who's been our most worthless defensive player in the entire year? Don't you say it. Do say it. Don't you dare say number 17 to me. Tell me his name. <laughs> Tell me his name no, in my face. I won't say his name. I won't blaspheme on the podcast. I will not. So anyway, this old white boy is not going to be playing center field no more. Now, we're also going to be getting Josh Proctor back from injury, and I know that's going to be more of a big deal. But you're going to have Tanner McAllister out there. I think that's going to make a big difference, too, because imagine those big plays that we gave up. That's because uh, old boy could not take an angle to the frickin' runner and constantly let him get by him all all year long. Like, you can't just take one interception in the Michigan game and think you were a quality player all year long. Like, you literally got the luck of the draw and were in the right spot in that game, got an interception, but you're not a good player. Dude, you just say, any just say idea the name. Say the name. Bryson Shaw. Thank you, God. <laughs> so, but we don't, don't have do to see Bryson Shaw on the field anymore. But with this transfer it, and with Josh Proctor healing up. I'm going to be honest. Did it not bother you that they were like interviewing him after the game? Like he was something special. He had interception. He, he didn't even have a good game. He had one good play the entire season. You know who, you know who stepped up? I will tell you what, who stepped up in the Rose bowl. If I asked you right now, and I know we're getting a little off topic, but I'm a little fired up with this defense because I like it when I see people step up, especially on the defense, someone that looks like they want to be there. Someone that looks like they understand what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Who stepped up in the Rose bowl and defense? I don't know. Give it Tommy to Eichenberg. Well, dude, I don't think that I think that Tommy he's Eichenberg. kind of, no, 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 no. Tommy Eichenberg. You know, who he reminds me of, and it's just the one who left. Um, what's his face? Not tough Borland. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Just left. Hilliard? Justin Hilliard? No, the other white boy. I don't know, man. I don't know the team by race. <laughs> <Is> he... 
it's not a race thing. It's all going. I'm just. I'm having a rough night with names. Okay. You're just having Anyways. a rough night, and you're having a rough life. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and look in the mirror and tell me and say that again? All right. I know. All I'm um, saying is this: I've seen some fire with some players on defense. I think Jim Knowles coming in and with the two DB coaches we have coming in, I'm really feeling like, you know, we have the players that can handle the system. You know that Denzel Burke is going to be disgusting next year. I feel like Cam Brown, who's coming back. Is he related to Denzel Washington? He is. He is. He actually is. I was going to say Denzel for Denzel. I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's true story. Look it up. So... (laughs) Um, Cam Brown coming back next year. And as long as he can stay out of injury, I think he's a really good cornerback. Josh Proctor, if he can heal up. Tanner McAllister transferring. Bryson Shaw, hopefully he transfers. But (laughs) at safety, (laughs) I think we're set at safety. I think we're set at cornerback. Our DB field next year is going to look good. I really believe that. Our, Our defensive line. Uh, Taron Vincent stepped up in the Rose Bowl. You're going to have JT Tumalau. You're going to have Jack Sawyer. Uh, there's a couple other parts on the defensive line. We're going to be solid on the D line. I'm not going to say we're going to be elite and elite pass rushing, but it's going to look pretty good next year. So the linebacking core is going to be the ultimate question mark. And we're going to have Cody Simon back. I don't know if Steel Chambers is going to continue to be linebacker. One thing we didn't even mention is Cade Stover, who switched back from tight end to linebacker in the Rose Bowl. He looked pretty decent in that game. And he was initially recruited to be a linebacker. If they keep him in that room, there's some depth. Um, There's got to be something to this, dude, because I'm going to say like this. Why at Ohio State are we saying, oh, we got a guy that we recruited as this, but we're turning him into that. I want three linebackers that have been playing linebacker their whole life. That's what I want. I don't want a guy that was a tight end and now he's a linebacker and a guy that transferred to this and now he's that. No, I want a guy that comes in here who was recruited as a linebacker and he's a four or five star linebacker. That's what I want. Right. I feel like there's something to that, dude. There is. And I thought you, you made a good point, dude. And you brought it up after Jim Trestle left. The focus on linebackers went away. Urban Meyer had a Urban Meyer had a completely different philosophy for the game, and his focus was not on linebacking play. It wasn't. He had good DBs, he had good line play, but his linebacking recruiting was not good. It wasn't. And I'll I'll be honest. I mean, I know it's a really tough ask, and you know, even off the top of your head, can you tell me the last time you understand even at Ohio State or Florida or Utah, you remember a linebacker? Anything off top of your head? I don't. You remember tight ends? You remember quarterbacks? Running quarterback? Uh, you remember a few wide receivers? You remember some DBs? Like, that's kind of Urban Meyer's thing. The thing Everything? is, though, dude, at this level, you can't you can't expect to have a, a silver bullet-type defense, a national championship-type defense, when you're bringing in kids and trying to teach them linebacker at this level. It shouldn't be kids you're teaching linebacker at this level. It should be kids you're cultivating at this level that are already linebackers. But you're teaching the basics to kids that don't even play the position. They're expecting it to work out. No wonder it's not working out. 
We need real players in here. We need real recruits in here. And I don't understand why we've had such a trouble getting them lately, but that's what we need. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And, you know, I, I can't understand why KV on Pope left. You know, if they felt like, you know, he was linebacker the entire time. There was a, a time before this season where he came into play and he got an interception. I thought KV on Pope played well last year. He didn't really know. get much into the game at all this year. I don't know he if got, it was an attitude thing or if it was. Well, he got all the way into Buckeye Nation on the way out. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm just saying we're not in the locker room. We don't understand all this. We can sit here and analyze it all we want. All we know is there's deficiency in that area. And I think finally removing Al Washington, and I'm not saying Al Washington was completely the problem, but he wasn't the solution. So removing him and having Jim Knowles prop, you know, taking over that role, being the overall D coordinator and maybe starting with the linebacker and kind of moving from that, I think is going to be the beginning of the solution to fixing this. And I think there's got to be some stability moving forward of not just who's playing what position, but ultimately finally establishing what these roles need to be, what your responsibility needs to be and getting back to where being a linebacker means not keeping your eyes in the backfield and reacting to what the quarterback's doing, but knowing what your responsibilities are and flying to the ball, because that's what, you know, our boys, you know, Laurinaitis and Hawk and Carpenter and, um, you know, uh, just the guys that we we can't forget at linebacker. Like, all these little linebackers moving forward, they're forgetful. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I'm just saying, like, if I think back, I can't sit here and name you a, more than two or three linebackers we've had in the last six, seven years. Yeah, Pete Warner. True. Pete Warner, by the way, is the name I was thinking of earlier. Pete Warner? How? I, yeah, yeah, Pete Warner. Uh, when I was yeah, talking I about Tommy believe, Eichenberg, Tommy, Eichenberg. I can't believe other white boy didn't give it away, but I, I know didn't pull it, but yeah, Tommy Eichenberg <laughs> could potentially be the next Pete Warner. Pete Warner was, it was, you know, he developed into a quality linebacker. He was probably our best linebacker that year. Baron Browning probably was maybe a better one, but honestly, I mean, I remember Pete Warner. He did a great job, yeah, but Baron you Brown, know, you yeah. understand the whole point I'm making, right? Yeah. Is that this linebacking Part of the Ohio State, it's it's almost like it's it's the the soul of the defense, right? Yeah, it's 100%. not been there. It's not there. No, it's, it's not, not been, been, there. been there for a decade. Yeah, and that's why we're constantly on defense, giving up tons of yards, tons of points, and I'm no longer excited and looking forward to watching the defense play. I'm telling you, that's the way I grew up. I grew up enjoying watching defense play, enjoying it. Now I cringe. Yeah, because you know what, dude? You can't sit here and honestly tell me that you can really think back without having to take a lot of time to think about it and analyze each year and tell me a year that you haven't been concerned with the defense. When's the last time I wanted to go buy a, a another Ohio State jersey with a defensive number on it? Last time I yeah. did it was number 33. That was Lorian Nidus. Yeah. That's, that's the last that's time I wanted to buy a defensive jersey. That's it, dude. And, and you know, and I'm just hoping that this whole culture change and I'm hoping maybe once, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm saying I'm hoping once Knowles gets in here and he puts his plan in place and if it's successful, you know, by year two, maybe we're drawing those kind of guys in that I want to see in. Maybe those guys are saying, you know what, well, Ohio State's trying to do. I will special. tell you this. I will tell you this. Linebacking is still going to be our weak, weak spot next year. 
I still think that we don't have as good a recruits we need in that spot. I think we can still develop who we have there and make them much more capable than we're than they were this year. Still, I want some SEC linebackers. I want some Alabama I agree. linebackers. I that's what I'm saying. I agree. I agree with you. That's why I'm saying that the recruits are not there. The talent's not there. I think they're still capable, and I still think they can improve. Now, I think our DBs are going to be good next year. I think our line can be decent next year. I don't think our line is going to be our strong suit next year, but I still think they can be good. Okay. But at the end of the day, uh, I think this is going to be a changing of the guard. This is going to be the moment where Ryan Day, especially with these moves he's made on, on the coaching staff, that he is now bought all in on understanding we need a national title next year. He's not saying we need to beat Michigan next year. He's not saying we need to make playoff next year. He's making a statement we need to win the national title next year with all of these moves. I mean, tell me when's the last time that you've seen a team win the Rose Bowl, go 11-2, and and fire every defensive coach. Tell me the last time you've seen that happen. Never. So you are now seeing... He understands, and I finally give Ryan Day credit for this. He finally understands what it's going to take to be an Ohio State head coach. Um, just real quick before we get off here, we want to let you guys know, you know, in the offseason, we kind of switched to a different format. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff. We got a lot of surprises uh, coming down the pike, and we're probably going to be doing podcasts about every other week. So stay tuned. We'll let you know what we're doing, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we like to do a lot of trivia, you know, put a little bit of uh, have some guests on, you know, we got a lot of stuff in store. So just just uh, keep in touch for that. And as always, man, check out all of our stuff and and check what we post. And, and we're always sharing information and stuff like that. So, uh, like I said, we look forward to uh, continuing on the, with the podcast. And, man, we've got a long time till next football season, but we're going to have some fun this offseason. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Uh you know, already counting down the days. Uh, we got a lot of hype moving in next year. You know, we're opening with uh, Notre Dame, so it's going to be probably one of the biggest uh, home openers that we've ever had, uh, or not even home openers, just season openers that we've ever had. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure next year. I mean, I know it's looking way early ahead, but we have a tough schedule next year. Uh, we're playing cross opponents in Wisconsin and Iowa. We're going on the road at Penn State and at Michigan State. Like, it's no cakewalk next year. Next year is no, going to be dude, one of the toughest schedules we've had in a while. And no, no matter what anybody says, dude, Notre Dame in game one, I don't care where it is. That's a tough game. Yeah, especially you know since I mean? they finished, game. you know, they finished in top 10 this year and they're bringing a lot of starters back. So who who knows what's going to end up happening? But, you know, we, we've got a lot of pieces in place to try to fix the deficiencies we've seen this year. And the hope is next year we can come out and try to give another run a national title. I mean, obviously we start out with trying to win the Big Ten, win the Big Ten title, uh, get to the playoffs, uh, possibly have a Heisman candidate. I mean, we have a few in there. I'm sure we'll have another discussion on some of the, our Heisman hopefuls moving into next year. But, you know, as, as a Buckeye fan, it, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse, but the expectations are high. So we're hoping for a big year next year. Absolutely, man. I'm excited. So, Davis? Tell them where they can find us. All right, guys, as always, you know, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Um, at some point, we'll get these things uploaded on YouTube. Been slacking <laughs> a little bit, but hey, listen, I know most of the <laughs> listeners like to stream them anyways, but I promise you I will get them on YouTube eventually. Uh, apologize. You know, the main reason we keep the YouTube open is at some point we like to do video episodes. 
um, and eventually post those up there. So uh, we'll try to maintain that a little bit better. You know, life just kind of happens sometimes, but we do appreciate all the support we get. We appreciate those of you that listen, especially those of you that listen all the way to the end. So uh, if you're a listener, don't be afraid to, you know, give us a like, give us a listen, share us, you know, spread the word, help us get some more listeners. And uh, down the road, we're hoping to get some big time names on the show and uh, hopefully continue to grow. So until, uh, I guess, you know, the few episodes we have coming up here in the off season, we'll talk to you guys next time. Go Bucks. Oh, wait.